0: Welcome back to this week's episode of the Get Ready Podcast. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Grant. Grant, how are you, pal?
1: I'm phenomenal, man. Back back to the regular grind. No more book club for another month. So I'm excited. How are you doing?
0: I'm fantastic. Uh, you know, a lot of good podcasts that have come out. Uh, we're revisiting a topic here, um, it's a topic that I'm pretty passionate about. And I think you share a lot of, uh, a lot of the same feelings in uh, podcasts that had some pretty good activity to the point where we had some exchanges on the internet, uh, on, on Twitter. And we, you had some personal exchanges and some text messages and whatnot.
1: Yeah, I, I've, for as much as we feel like we know about Bitcoin, I've started to take your approach and rejoice in my knowledge and, and spray it to the world. And uh, this is why we probably chose this subject because it's so relevant today with the presidential election, stimulus talk, all those things. And um, this is really being spearheaded by you. And I've, I've grown into. I'm fascinated by it. And I want to, I want the world to buy more Bitcoin. That's all I really want to do at the end of this pod. What do you want to achieve in our next 40 minutes?
0: Same thing. I, I want people to understand more so that we need a unit of account. We need hard money. Like you don't know what the score is if they keep changing whatever the points are. Like think about like a basketball game. Um, if the score is a hundred, a hundred, right. You know what the score, but then, it, or, or I should say, you know, it's, it's, 80 to 120, we know who won the game, the team with 120. But now at the end of every quarter, they're going to give the losing team or they're going to give both teams you know, 10 points. So they're going to give both teams 15 points or they're going to give one team 30 points and one team 5 points. That's kind of what's happened in the game that is our economy in our capitalistic society. So I just want to, I'm trying to educate people. And then we're going to talk about some really, I mean, some, I, let's just be frank. Some big things have went down since we've talked about the
1: pod. <laughs> it's been interesting because I think our first, first pod, probably about two months ago, we just kind of, we tried to explain to people what Bitcoin is and I'm probably getting, uh, far less what and a lot more why now which is which means people are starting to educate themselves or they're just seeing it more and they they've started to just figure out that it's something they don't know what it is but at least they know it's around and uh, that could probably start us into our first just first first bullet point of what we talk about is like give me the price of when it was back in august to what it is currently today
0: yeah when we first launched this episode uh the price was eleven three so eleven thousand three hundred today it sits at thirteen thousand five hundred um so and it's bounced around it's been up it's been down but that's what bitcoin does it's going to bounce around you're not supposed to need it tomorrow um but the pretty substantial price uh improvement and we did that podcast what two months ago
1: yeah, it was like about mid-August, so early to mid-August. So, you know, what I said in my thing was, it's no longer what, it's more why. Give me a reason to why you think it's up. What, 20%? Is that what you got?
0: Yeah, 20% when you look at the math. The big reason it's up is there's just a flat out, there's a s- systematic reduction in sellers and in volume to be sold. We talked about a key point in Bitcoin, and that's the having right so you had the having come out and so it was every um block that was being mined i think it's like every 10 minutes or something uh 12.5 bitcoin were hitting the miners um accounts and they were able to sell those so it's 12.5 like every block well that was cut in half to 6.25 per block solved so you're essentially removing half the daily supply off of the market so now you have what we call you know, in the Bitcoin world holders or hodlers that are holding onto the Bitcoin, they're not willing to sell it because it is a store of value. And so what I looked up is there is an all time high where Bitcoiners who have, who coins have not moved for over a year. So that means more coins have stayed put for over a year than ever before.
1: I think people who want to fact check you too, in a sense, what I, what I mean by this is like the having actually happened in May is what you're talking about. But w- one philosophy you guys should know is when this when something like this happens, it's about five to six months until you start seeing the real uh, growth or some real change from it. And this is where we're exactly where we are, five to six months. So what you're relaying to us today is while it happened in May, uh, you're starting to finally feel the effect six months down the road of why it's growing. I have a, a couple of other scenarios and why I believe it went from eleven three to thirteen five over what two months. So,
0: yeah, I think and what I did is I took it from a really mathematical like supply and demand perspective, but there's also a couple really important kind of social dynamics and just um, overall what we would call like real life examples of why this has happened. I'll, I'll kick it over to you and kind of let you break down what you what some of the catalysts,
1: a big catalyst you think. Is I think there's a couple of catalysts. I think one, just the adoption rate over the past two months, has just grown with a lot of your just Fortune 500, 100 brokerage accounts, things like PayPal and uh, Cash App, and all of these services offering it into the market and allowing anybody at any level of any financial level really to be able to buy it. So I think the adoption rate of watching six trillion dollars go down the hole for our first round of stimulus. And people wanting to know like, well finally I got twelve hundred well, what happened to the other forty thousand Alex promised or like what's the number of how much money was given to the general public in that six trillion dollar stimulus it's like two hundred and fifty billion something like that yeah, so a very think, nominal amount who do you think got the other five point seven five Trillion, you know, it's like I think a lot of people thought about that and it was like, holy shit I'm really on the wrong end of this and how do I get on the right end of this and I think Bitcoin seems to answer a lot of those questions so just the adoption rate of people wanting to buy Bitcoin or in a In a baby step buying other another form of cryptocurrency because it's significantly cheaper and people just view it like that Like I'd rather buy a penny stock because I can own ten thousand instead of buying Amazon It's like well hold on Amazon's better. Bitcoin's better than your Tron so I think that helps, I believe, the stimulus talks that you hear about daily, weekly, uh, every time you hear Trump tweet or somebody else talk about stimulus, whenever there's an approval and it goes to the next step, people start to get really excited because that's just more money getting dumped into the market and Bitcoin becoming more valuable. What I mean is if another stimulus comes, that's just another $6 trillion of fiat currency that gets pumped into the market and the dollar just becomes less and people rich people or people who want to salvage their money will buy something like this, where there's only 21 million like we talk about. Those are some examples I have by others, but what do you you think about those? I mean, any any negative to that? The the problem is we
0: almost agree too much. There's not very uh, candor back and forth. There's a big moving trend. We already saw, I believe, the head of the European Central Bank came out and said that we're exploring central bank digital currencies. People don't want to hear it, but that we're, we're approaching what communism was ultimately built on. And that was, here, you get your food ticket and you can go <laughs> here and get your food. Here's your bread ticket. You can go get bread. Well, that's like we're approaching areas. And I, I hate to be like, I'm probably getting too far out there. No. Um, but if if they tell me, here you go, we're going to give you your digital euro, your digital dollar. But you can only spend it at these places. Like, that's a very realistic thing that could happen. I don't think it will but that's one thing that's it's going to happen where if they digitally charge your bank account with money with the the digital US dollar you know what people are going to do they're going to flip it right into bitcoin why because they don't trust the dollar
1: yeah it's too it's it's manipulated by too much i i have a i have a different example of why i think it's grown and i don't know how pro- progressive this answer is but i look at bitcoin in a way where how old is it 10 years right
0: 12 years, I think. Yeah.
1: 12 years. I mean, in dog years, that's like reverse dog years. That's like two years. old. Dog years is times seven. So yeah, it's like 96 or something like that. I'm yeah. trying to think of the inverse of that. But just think of like, it, this currency started 12 years ago, right? So it, in theory, if it's going to last forever, it's literally in the first quarter of its life. I'd say it's in the first three percent of its lifespan somewhere below that so think of it like a kid you know when you're on the playground and you're you're five years old playing with your buddy and then you meet up with like a six-year-old and a seven-year-old what's the difference between you and the six and seven-year-old it's it's the world it's like the grand canyon so i think of like the reason two months from now it's already grown 20 percent is because this thing is still in its infancy stages so two months in bitcoin time and two months in just the way it's growing time means a lot at this stage. I think two months when we're, when it's the year 2150 and we're not around anymore, I think two months isn't as meaningful, but today two months is incredibly meaningful because it's only 12 years old. I know that's not like a great example, but you know, two months to a 40 year old and two months to a three year old are completely different scenarios. And that's kind of how I view it. It's so young still.
0: Yeah. I'll help you out here. Um, The oldest form of money and the most reliable store of money over the past, well, Humanity has been uh, gold, and gold was basically the first time it was really used as a money purpose was back in five hundred and fifty b c so so we 're talking you know yeah it 's twenty twenty so almost 200, two hundred and two thousand and five hundred years ago that 's what we 're talking about that 's how long that, that money system is being around, so imagine something like oh no one's gonna want that precious rock just because it's shiny like that's probably what people said and they're like all right well i'll take it all here you can have all my yeah. grain I'll, I'll take this like I, this is gonna go bad can i have some of that shiny rock and that's something that's that's held very true
1: for 2500 years it's a long time yeah, I'm gonna go back to your example too. I didn't think about people just are holding it now, not selling it because they're realizing its value. But it—that's a good example of the stock market. I think because the stock market is still operating at all-time highs right now, than you know, six months ago, seven months ago, um, there's a lot of companies that started dive into it and started to use it as as more of a, a different scenario, as more like holding. Value instead of cash, and I think we should probably transition into the next topic because I wanted to talk more about the current environment and just like where it is today. So, like, what do you when you think of Bitcoin today? Like, what's the current environment of it? Like, what's your objective view on that?
0: My my objective view is that people are now waking up and realizing that this is a store of value, and that fiat currency is going to continue to be printed. We're already hearing that the stimulus talks are you know, ramping up and it's going to be passed after the election, whichever way it goes. Uh, again, people think that like they're offended that I tell them, well, I, I don't vote. And they're like, why? Because nothing's going to change. They're both going to print money. It doesn't matter. Both of them will print money. And that's one of the most detrimental things you can do to society. And you're starting to see really, really smart people. So I'm actually going to jump into one thing um, that I saw is very public, but has been kind of sheltered out of mainstream, um, is MicroStrategy, this billion-dollar company on NASDAQ, yeah. came out and they had five hundred million dollars, five hundred M, with a with an M as in mother million, a million, yeah, on, on their balance sheet, and they said, wait a minute, this thing is melting. Their CEO just, been just cash, the- right? That's
1: what you are yeah. talking about. Just they just like cash, cash on hand. Mm-hmm.
0: What they call it in the corporate world is it's their treasury. Yeah. So it's that's what's sitting in the bank account. That's what they, they have to go make acquisitions. That's what they have <laughs> if they need to, um, you know, if they, they have to pay a bunch of debt. Basically, it's not their working capital, that's what's running the business day to day, and those are their typical expenses. This is what they just have saved up for a rainy day. They took all that money and they put four hundred and fifty of it into Bitcoin because they're like, wait a minute. The CEO read all these books, was looking around, billionaire, really smart guy, was like, We should buy. Bitcoin. That's the best thing that we could own. And he starts talking about it. Then he gets into, you know, he's a brilliant guy and he's super smart and he's talking yeah. about the transfer of energy and yada, yada, yada. I can go on and on. I'm like, <laughs> but you only care about It's over my head, so I don't want to confuse you anymore. <laughs> but basically, it's a store of value. It's going to hold its purchasing power throughout this fiat
1: world we're living in. Give our listeners the name of that CEO and the company MicroStrategy, MSRT is the symbol. What's the CEO's name? CEO is Michael
0: Saylor. So if hey, you hey. have podcasts on Spotify, or if you have anything on YouTube, just type in Saylor, S-A-Y-L-O-R. And just, man, he is so eloquent. It's incredible. Like I think I'm a good communicator. Then I hear him talk for an hour straight without a butt and, um, at this without a lost train of thought. He's just like, bang, 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 analogy, 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 metaphor. <laughs> I just knocking him out of the ballpark and, you know, some of the things, you know, he talks from a very scientific to perspective of like Bitcoin's the best money because it has the best network. It's, you know, you hear the analogy. I think we talked Facebook to Mark, you know, Facebook to MySpace. So oh, Bitcoin was the first one, so it can't work. But he's like, no, it solved the double spend problem, which is something we said on this podcast. Yeah. It has this network. It has a network effect that's going to continue to grow. And it's a $200
1: billion enterprise. That's uh, an incredible uh problem to solve. I, I love that. I, I think when I think of its current environment right now, I try to I try to be pretty objective and everything. I'm I'm apolitical. I'm a lot of things. I just want to see both sides of the argument. And it's it's definitely, I can just tell you objectively, it's in this stage where uh, it, it's leaving its kind of introductory, the last 10 to 12 years was like its introductory concept proving stage and now it's, it's really at this like tinder stage of exploding into, into growth and it, I think over the next, what would you say, in the next 10 years will be maybe even 20 to 30 years will be just purely growth stages and you'll you'll watch it probably hit, I know we speculate, what, $200,000 $250,000 in 10 years like I firmly believe that and I uh, I'm a little speculative at first but then you just realize how quickly it's getting adopted, how much, how quickly money is getting printed on the opposite side of the coin, how uh, just, just companies, public companies are putting it on its ledger. They're, they're transferring their fiat straight into Bitcoin and using that as its savings. It's just, there's a lot of breadcrumbs leaving me down a path that I believe Bitcoin will become like the new savings account of the future. And if you don't believe me, go on social 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 media, any form of social media. And there's two things. One, every time you talk about money being printed, there's always a great rebuttal argument for Bitcoin that we can go down and talk about all day. But it's it's, it's users will. I mean, you've heard this term before. They'll fuck you up. they like the people who use Bitcoin are f- famous for it and are online trolling people. Like they're passionate about it, so passionate that you just kind of want to run through a brick wall with them. And you can see, you can literally see how valuable it is if you just read it all. I mean, there's this Twitter account, Josh, you you would know this, that, uh, remember when the stimulus came out and this Twitter came out, Twitter accounts, the $1,200 stimulus is now worth, and every day it would have, yeah. I looked at it the other day, it's at $2,500. So that stimulus is now up 108% if that was transferred into Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, you absolutely said it right. I believe that was on a Joe Rogan podcast. I think Joe Rogan <laughs> said that. Um, he's like, somebody brought up Bitcoin. He's like, whoa. Dude, you don't say anything bad about Bitcoin. They will fuck you, they'll bury you on the internet. They will literally dig holes and they will bury your accounts so deep down the rabbit hole. Those guys are psychos. And to the point where CEO of MicroStrategy, Michael Saylor calls them, you know, cyber hornets. Like that is cyber a, hornets. you know, it's a, and I'm even like that if you go on and I, so somebody who's not a Bitcoiner makes a Bitcoin comment and I start going through their their threads and it'll be an investor or something, Keith McCullough. Uh, CEO of Hedgeye Capital, he said, I'm selling Bitcoin because of Quad 4. And so guess what? Bitcoiners line up and said, all right, what did you just make up? Quad 4? And then people are just burying him because he sold out at like 10.5 and now it's up to 13.5. And they're just like, Keith, you're a clown. Like, go home. Like, stop it. Like, you <laughs> should give up because you make up your own terms. And then Sailor, Michael Saylor, went on that guy's TV show or his YouTube channel, or whatever it is these days, and just says, hey, Keith, all your models go to shit the moment people realize that, oh, I need a store of value. Oh, I need a, un- a fixed unit of account, which is Bitcoin's 21 million. I need that in my life. I know my money is being printed out. I'm being diluted out of my dollar, just like you mentioned last podcast. Mm. The dilution's real. I'm out. All your models go to shit.
1: I think we don't, yeah, no, you're right, I think I think there's a mindset though that you and I and a lot of people who own Bitcoin or want to own Bitcoin eventually got passed, and I think it really stems down to you know to them people say they don't really understand Bitcoin, they don't understand it because that what I've heard specifically is that they can they can relate it kind of to like uh walk into a casino and you play like a penny slot or you just play a slot machine and like you kind of feel like it's rigged, so like. Bitcoin just has that, like, artificial, uh, like, motivation to it where you, like, I, I just can't see it or touch it, and there's this key phrase, and just, like, there's just no, like, I don't know what it looks like or who oversees it. Who can I call if shit goes to, to bed, and I don't know what's happening. Like, I can't call the cops. I can't call my banker. Like, no one regulates it. So, like, people don't understand that, like, there's still value in, like, in the ether and in, in the dust and that, you know, in the in the world. And... That's where I believe they struggle with the concept of why, because it's like, well, I can just, I know money's there and I can spend money. I don't even know what I, there's just so many extra steps to download a Coinbase account and then use it to actually purchase something on Expedia. Like that's, I think, how people view it and they don't understand the lollies of the world, lolly.com that are, are generating, I, you could talk about it. I mean, you're a lolly fan. I believe you, I think you got me onto it where you can just get cash back and rewards for Bitcoin.
0: That's a great example example of how you can walk into it. Like, you know, you have your credit cards that give you like 5% cash back. Well, Lolly gives you 5% Bitcoin back. So if you go and you spend something on Nike, you get 3% back. And what's great is then you get Bitcoin and you build up, like let's say you do that for a year, you build up a hundred bucks. And then you're like, wait a minute, this grew to 150 bucks or it grew to 200. You're like, well, maybe I should get more of this. Um, and just a great example. I mean, people can't understand like things that are intangible very well. Uh, we talked about opportunity costs. It's the biggest mm-hmm. cost businesses face cause you can't see it. Like you can't feel it. Like you don't have to pay for it out of pocket. Like we don't actually really touch cash as much as we transact anymore, but it still feels good. Right. You could drive to the bank and withdraw most of it. Right. And put it in your, put it in your safe or your sofa. If you wanted to gold, you can feel it. You can hold it. Um, I think you also mentioned something that I want to kind of relate to is, you know, Bitcoin's volatility. People are afraid. We've talked to somebody um, recently, a mutual friend that we both brought up Bitcoin uh, separate, completely separate environments too. And I (laughs) can hear him out of the corner of my ears. Like, well, how much does Bitcoin jump around each day?
1: Yeah. The Um, volatility of it. Yeah. That was his first go-to.
0: Yeah. The the volatility doesn't matter. You know, I don't, I don't need the money tomorrow. Like, and he even says he's trying to protect his family's wealth. Like that's, completely understood, but you don't need it in two weeks. You don't need it in a month. That's not what Bitcoin is. Bitcoin is Michael say this is my favorite. He's like, I'm not trying to transfer, you know, money five thousand miles away.
1: I'm trying to transfer money five thousand years away. Yeah, it's insane to think about. It's a it's a really heavy thought. Um I have a lot of examples of this. Keep going. though. I I, I
0: was going to say, how would you recommend people think about Bitcoin? That's what I kind of tried to give you the example, but, and you started buying, um, you know, 50 bucks a week. That's
1: kind of walked them through your process when you got started. Uh, I got started a while ago. I mean, it was probably back in 2017 with you, but we got more aggressive as the years have gone on and I wouldn't even call it aggressive anymore. I'd call it more of a habit. Like you're just kind of buying at this point and you're bought in and you just, uh, you assume the cost of it as if you were buying a stock or just paying a mortgage or a bill. Like you're just like, yeah, it's kind of part of my fixed monthly uh, payments. Uh, I, I kind of got into it uh, when I got explained to it by you and various other people, some probably a podcast. I think Anthony Papiano, Pompliano is a gentleman that, that talks a lot about it and it wasn't really the finite version of it. It was more the store of value that hooked me. Cause I, I started a BlockFi account with you, and that got me what, like five percent or something return each month. So it's like a, that's a pretty stupid, stupid number in a good way. is what I'm saying, because it's so new to the market. And you realized, like this thing's not going away. The Winklevine, the Winklevi own it, and they promote it. A lot of celebrity endorsers are coming out. Uh, things that have happened over the past several months to me have been huge, revolutionary pieces. PayPal accepting it. I, I know. Um, there's things we can get into that in layers, but anytime you have that type of financial or fine tech institution that adopts something, uh, it's major cause that just opens up the doorway or the floodgates so for so many users who already have accounts in those world to buy into something that they that otherwise couldn't, or they had a, that had to open up a Coinbase account or something. But, uh, I, I just watched it grow over time and I saw it continue to grow and I started to learn more about it. And I, under, and I found out really what the blockchain was and how valuable it was. And once I realized it was built off of that network, I just knew that this is the type of finance that would succeed in the next generation of finance, finances based solely off of uh, like you said, the double spend. I think we talked about, I don't know if we've ever talked about like the difficulty adjustment, like all those things became things that I, I thought more about and realized that it was, that it was progressive, and it was the new generation of money. And uh, what's which, which surprised me? You made a comment earlier about what did you say? Uh, um, it's intangible, and people don't see it. And they they just because they don't see it, they don't think it's real. Like, what do you think our parents did forty years ago when they wanted to move, like from Illinois to Oregon or whatever? Like, it was just kind of a hunch. They took the they took the shot. This is our form of like taking the hunch. Like, hey, do you, this is a little bit of risky. It's volatile, but if you believe in it and you think it's going to be somewhere somewhere in ten fifteen years. Throw some money in it today. Yeah. Well, I mean, incredibly well
0: said. Uh, you brought up the PayPal thing. And I, I pulled up uh, an article that I sent you earlier today, actually. And there, so you mentioned, you know, these on-ramps, which is when these fintech companies come in and they basically give you access to Bitcoin. Um, so Square's Cash App, Cash App is much smaller than Venmo, right? Venmo is owned by PayPal, mm-hmm. but Square has made a lot of money um, and I'm actually going to mention a couple of things, you know, but they made a lot of money allowing their users to basically buy Bitcoin in their cash app because they had physical dollars right here. And it's like, well, why don't I just put this into Bitcoin? This thing keeps going up. Let me just throw some money into this. <laughs> I don't need the money. You know, people say Venmo and cash app money's all play money anyway. So why don't <laughs> I just, why don't I just yeah. throw it in over there? And then what's happened now? So PayPal said, all right, we got to get in this game. We got to let our people buy Bitcoin and what they've already seen is they only let it, they only gave access to 10% of their customer base. That waiting list is two to three times larger than they want. So already 20 to 30% of the users in PayPal want access to buy Bitcoin. This is gonna be something, you com- you completely nailed it what people do. You buy a little bit of it, then it goes up and down. So then you start paying attention and you start reading more about it and you start listening to some more podcasts and you start kind of just discovering what's going on out there. What is this thing? And why do I like, why does this thing go up? And then it just kind of, it's like a snowball effect personally where you're just like, this thing almost feels like I can't lose. I think we were texting this weekend, you know, Bitcoin was doing something or somebody came out it's, it's like, yeah, maybe I did well. and then start talking to people around you and they don't own it. And you're just like, no, nobody owns it. Like me and you, I mean, more people own it in our community because I badger the shit out of them.
1: <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's also the environment in which we put ourselves in. Like people have disposable income or interested in stocks, taxes, you know, the typical. Um, but I do have some like real life examples I want to share with people that have happened over the last two months, if you will if allow it.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I sent you this this graphic the other day, and I said, it's my new Bible. And really what it outlined is all the publicly traded companies across all the stock, cha- stock exchanges in the world that own Bitcoin on their balance sheet and how long they've owned it for. Uh, I think there's like three or four on there that are on the NASDAQ that you can purchase. Most of them are Canadian stock exchanges or just what have you. Um, but two companies of note. I know you talked about microstrategy, but one is called Riot Blockchain. And on June 20th, June of 2020, so what, three months ago or five months ago, uh, it owned about $7.2 million in Bitcoin on its ledger, which is about 1,053 Bitcoin. As of today, that $7.2 million is worth $14.4 million. So it's literally doubled in five months. Like All they do is just hold Bitcoin in their savings account, and their savings account is doubled. Same thing with Square. Square owns about 4,709 Bitcoin on their balance sheet, which is now worth about 64300000 million. Uh, they've owned it since, they bought about $50 million of it a handful of months ago. But the point being is like these companies now, you can make money by just holding Bitcoin m- more so than you can in your typical business operations. I, I saw two people getting in a fight online over micro strategy. Cause what I would presume is one person bought a call the day after its earnings. And as you saw the market, cl- they got, they crushed their earnings, but the market just went down for whatever reason. I think the whole market was down but the, the username one zero zero five five, whatever his name is was just venting about what a shit company this is and how they're horrible and they'll never go up. And I'm just thinking, dude, they made $90 million in two months by just holding Bitcoin. That's more money than they've made. In the past, what, three or four years from their business operations alone. Like, that's what's happening in the world. PayPal's accepting it. I mean, think of Jamie Dimon and, and, and JP Morgan. The dude was, like, so anti-Bitcoin. Today, 180 He's all like, yeah, I think we're going to start buying it and holding it as a reserve asset. you know, like, what? Six months ago, you were basically, you were lighting it on fire in a bonfire somewhere and just... <laughs> And Banff. I don't know what you were doing, but you're you're completely changed. And I mean, he's smart. I'll give him that. He's the CEO of J.P. Morgan. But the dual 180 philosophy in six months is is it's telling you that whatever you're doing, on it, it's it's done something to you to gain your attention.
0: Yeah, one guy that kind of kicked it off for everybody was Paul Tudor Jones. Um, he was a he's a Wall Street hedge fund guy, kind of old money type deal. Not necessarily he's old money, but that he lives in that kind of world. Yeah. He came in and said, I got, I got one to 2% of net worth in there. Um, and then he came out a few months later that, like, man, I think this is going to be the fastest horse. And, you know, there's all of these inflation hedge assets, which is real estate, which is gold uh, equities to some point. It's all like, all right, well, let's just giddy up, get off to the races. Bitcoin's the fastest. It's got the ability to grow faster than anybody else. Why? Because it's digital because it's a network. The more people who use it, the more valuable it becomes. And you look at all the key metrics: wallets, people holding coins, people who accept it. Uh, the pr- everything is going all time highs. You know, hash rates at an all time. It's just, I I I look at I look around and I'm like, is there anybody else? It, it, am I? Do I have the cheat code? I think I have the answers to the test.
1: I think it's just money, and we talk about this all the time. People don't like to talk about money, and this is a currency, so it's a form of money. Um, but you mentioned digital, it's digital and it's network, it's network effects. Let's talk a little bit about that. Like, what are some ways to get exposure? Because it's digital, everyone probably has access to it. And you know, how, how can we get more exposure out there to have people like you and I be better ambassadors that have more adoption, more people buying it, even if it's SAT SATs, right? Is that what you call them? Yeah. SATs. Yep. Stack That's and it. Sats. Stack and SATs. Even if it is people starting there, like what are some ways to get more exposure?
0: Yeah. So there's several different wallets you can, you can jump in and you don't want to get too deep into the water, but we're going to keep it. So step one, open up. I always say cat, cash apps, the easiest one to do. You're going to have to put up your, your ID because they want to know your customer. Um, the government wants to know who has, they want to know who's buying, but that's what you gotta do with just about every website. It's the easiest one. You go there, they make it super simple. Uh, you get signed up, it'll take you a day or so. Um, and they'll give you approval and you go on to Cash App. Now you can use Gemini, you can use Coinbase. Um, and then let's say, Grant, you got money in your your brokerage account, right? Yeah. And you don't want to move it around because, you, you know, you got, we'll say, hey, it was, you got five grand sitting there and you don't want to have to explain to your wife that you're moving it out of this account and you're moving it into that account. That's what one of my buddies was saying. <laughs> so what you can do is you can go buy these other companies. You can go buy what's called the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. And they're buying up a ton of Bitcoin right now. And you can go buy them. You got to pay a premium to the Bitcoin and you don't own it. You got to hope that they know how to hold it correctly. And then you can also go buy micro strategies, which is what I did. I went and uh, one of the trades I made is I bought long dated call options on MicroStrategy because I can do that a lot easier than going and buying long dated call options on Bitcoin. So I just took that company. I'm really comfortable with the number I I paid Um, so you can go get some exposure Microstrategy, a company you also mentioned, is Riot Blockchain. You can go and invest in them on certain different exchanges. There's also to use your IRA. There's choice um, out there that you can go get some. So, um, and then one one last one.
1: I had one more. I can't remember what it was. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. No, go. I want to get this last point before I. I was just say what well, dissect and, it.
0: If you want like a different type of. You know, action exposure, go buy Square stock. They got a little bit of Bitcoin and they also sell a bunch of Bitcoin and they also make money through their payment processing platforms. So that's another different way to get some exposure to the Bitcoin world.
1: Yeah, you've said a lot there. You've given what I would say is a symphony of an answer. It was pretty good because it was really outlining uh, first, how do you get in by buying Cash App? By having the Cash App app Uh, and buying it. But then you talked about like ways to indirectly be affected by it, by just buying a stock or buying an option call uh, on companies that own it, or just buying a company altogether, like Square that owns it is really what you were referring to. Uh, I was thinking when you asked me, like, let's talk about ways to get exposure. I was thinking less about people figuring out how to get involved, but more about how can we use, how can we generate more exposure about Bitcoin in general and educate people at a higher level and a far more macro, like talk about fine tech companies adopting it and providing the option for the public to consume it, own it, sell it, trade it. What was an example you talked about, like Cash App allowing that, PayPal allowing that, Square allowing that. Those are companies that allow you to buy, sell, trade it, figure out what you want to do with it. Um, companies like you talked about MicroStrategy, I think Bit Digital is another one, uh, Square being one. These are just publicly traded companies that are uh excusing their current cash on hand and just they're exchanging their current cash on hand to go to Bitcoin. And there's gonna be a lot more companies like that in the future. Uh but even furthermore, like how do we find like more renowned influencers? Because right now the the people like Jack Dorsey and Elon Musk are great advocates of it, but they're but they're not as They're CEOs, they're not like the everyday. Who's like a a TikTok influencer that has a million? How how come Charlie D'Amelio can't be it? Or how could I don't know? We're some good influencers in the world right now. Like, don't you wish? Um, who's the guy that is really good at poker? He's like the modern Dan Hugh Hefner. Dan
0: Belzerian.
1: Yeah, like if Dan Belzerian was like an advocate of it, you'd see a lot more people probably jumping in because they're fascinated with that guy and what he does and then want his lifestyle. And if they think Bitcoin's a part of that fabric of getting chicks and having sex all day and smoking joints and having your cool brand, like more people would do it. Like it's it's interesting. So I just think, like, how do we get more renowned influencers? And when I say renowned, I mean more like uh, universal people that are more relatable. Like you listen to Elon Musk talk, and you're like, "Ah, there's only one of that guy." There's only one of him in the world. Or you watch like Jack Dorsey talk when he, <laughs> he's in Senate hearings, and you're like, "Yeah, he's only like one of four people." Like that's those aren't really relatable people. Dan Brouilherian isn't relatable, but people fa- are fascinated with him. Or like, how do you find someone who? How do you find those people? to become just like your mid-level ambassador. And it, th- there's other ways of getting exposure too, and it's exposing the whole Eastern hemisphere in Asia. I mean, if you just look at pictures of that, there's Bitcoin and Coinbase ads everywhere on buses and you're like, okay, it's being adopted in a certain part of the world that is probably a little bit more than it is here in the Western civilization.
0: was a really, really interesting take on that um, in terms of yeah, how do, how do you almost like spur a movement more than what it has been and I think the best way I heard to kind of spur that exposure in terms of what, what you're talking about I'm, I'm, I missed it. I got excited when he threw the question over to me um, is to just start asking people what is money like when we get hit with the next round of stimulus checks just ask them what is money is it, and, and ask it in in a quizzical way. And I guess I'm not saying us go be ambassadors, but start asking yourself, what is money? Like, what is this? Like this used to be a representation of my time and effort. And now it's been given to me for free. And we talked about UBI, which is right. We're kind of like tongue in cheek here, but we're really, I think we were able to separate the two, but I, I think getting more and more people exposed, it goes like with the paper, this PayPal thing, I, I think, I kind of stated it a bit. I, I think it's going to be a really, really big deal.
1: Well, the problem with that PayPal thing that you should probably educate our listeners on is like PayPal and there's a lot of other companies like Robinhood's another one. This uh, app that you can buy stocks on is like, it, it just, it's an IOU. You don't actually own the Bitcoin. So if you were to buy Bitcoin through PayPal or Robinhood or name one of those brokerage accounts, like you don't actually own that Bitcoin. You own the right to own that. You own an IOU to the brokerage account that owns the Bitcoin. And in that effort, it's different from Cash App or a Coinbase account. Like those actually, you physically own the key phrase to that money that you could eventually take offline somewhere else. That You can't do that on PayPal yet. I think it's an experiment today. I think until they create those credentials in place, I'd probably stay away from it personally.
0: Absolutely correct. And this is what they're doing. This is kind of what Cash App did too. It's to start, this is all you can do. It's really a really complicated system to make sure you can get it in and have some exposure. And what you said is absolutely right. Like PayPal is an IOU, meaning you just hope they have the Bitcoin. Your number and your account will go up and down with the market of Bitcoin. But when it's time to use or when it's time to send or if or if it gets hacked and stolen, it's gone. Um, and that's something that's a real issue that you actually saw happen. Uh, With the Mt. Gox issue several years ago, you know, a lot of these rules, you know, not your keys, not your coin. That's like, that's stage two and three Bitcoin stuff. Well, we, we want everyone on this podcast, you know, this is kind of like, it's stage one stuff, like buy it, hold it, and then we'll talk about and we'll even bring up a little bit more. Like, eventually you're going to want to hold those keys. But when you have 500 bucks in Bitcoin, it's not as big of a deal. Now, when you have ten, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars in Bitcoin, then it becomes a much bigger deal holding that stuff. So, absolutely, you're a million percent of that when you go onto a PayPal and you can't send the Bitcoin off their platform, you don't actually own it. I think that's the easiest way is like they control what you can do with it. Yeah, you might have some exposure if the price goes up or down.
1: Yeah, I don't want this to discourage people from using PayPal because I think it's a great resource, and you should do that if that's what you utilize. But just know that there's different levels of it as well, and that's just just like if you were to bank with Chase or Wells Fargo or Mountain America Credit Union. I'm just rattling, you know, I'm just rattling them off, but they all give you different incentives for banking with them, different interest rates, different sign-up uh, opportunities. Just that's just they're just like banks, but I think people have a hard time understanding because they they try to relate Bitcoin to stocks we have to remind them like Bitcoin is a currency. It's money. It's, it's dollars. It's 24, it's 7, 365 stocks are Monday through Friday in our time zone seven 30 to two. But stocks are also manipulated through buybacks and shares and the dilution of shares and ownership. Like Bitcoin's none of those things. It's purely just a currency driven market. And it has a lot of value in, involved in it through its store of value and Uh, and there's another form of it. We call it's like using cold storage is what I know you and I wanted to talk a little bit about it. So maybe I'll give you the floor first.
0: Yeah. Cold storage. We briefly mentioned it. It's basically taking the money out of the bank and putting it in your wallet is what it is. It's like, so think about if you took the cash out of your bank, you own the money that way in case the bank gets hacked or anything like you get to still have your money. And that's exactly what cold storage is. You're taking personal responsibility for your Bitcoin. You own it, you can send it. It's usually a hardware device that is off the internet um, that people cannot get direct access to. Now, Here's what I tell people. Again, I mentioned, if you have 500 bucks, don't worry about it. It's when you start getting a whole Bitcoin, when you get more than one or you get half of one, you're going to want to have that a little more protected. You're not going to want to lose, you know, half a Bitcoin today 6,000 bucks, 7,000 bucks. You're not going to want to lose that. So you're going to want to make sure that that's a little more secure. And and two, when it's in cold storage, you have a little bit more control of when and where you can use it. If you go on today and you try to move your coins Let's say you have 20 grand on on Cash App. You can't move it all in one day. You can't. Like, you're not allowed. But guess what? If you have it on a cold card wallet, you have it on a ledger, you have it on one of these devices, you can spin up the network. You can fire a billion dollars and probably pay 10 bucks to move it, which is incredible. But that's something that you can do when you own your own
1: keys. Now, Grant, help simplify what I said before. (laughs) Let me break it down. Cold storage, guys, is just think of like a flash drive and think of your brokerage account online. You're just transferring the money in your brokerage account to a physical flash drive that you can hold in your hand. Kind of like if you have a flash drive and you have like the test report or you have your taxes or you have something on that flash drive, your money's on that flash drive. That's what cold storage is. You're taking it from offline, putting it in something that you can physically hold, and it that's where it keeps just essentially your Bitcoin, uh, the positive to what you were talking about is that you can't really hack that. Like the only way that someone can access whatever's inside that flash drive is if they know your key phrase. And the cool thing about these flash drives are, we note all the time is if you lost that flash drive, you can just go buy another one and retype in your key phrase and your money populates right back up. It's not on that flash drive specifically, but your key phrase to that flash drive. Is owned by you, and that's where your money's at. And it's hard to understand. It's like your money's in the cloud, but it couldn't be hacked. But it's actually on this flash drive. Um, it's it's a, it's a novel concept for storing your money, and it's a way that you'll never get hacked unless you physically physically tell people what that that ha- that key phrase is. That that's what I believe. That's what you're trying to say. Is that is that right or wrong?
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, what happens is, is I'm pretty passionate, and we both we both really like this topic. Um, and we bring it up any times we get, and sometimes we know too much, so we start spitting out all the things, that we complicate it more than anything, yeah. and more than we need to. So uh, the wallet is basically taking the money out of the bank, taking the money off of other people's custody. So right now, Cash App owns my holds my Bitcoin for me. Um, BlockFi owns my Bitcoin for me. Um, I'm taking it off them, I'm putting it in my possession. Now I understand, you need to be a little bit more tech savvy to do that. And if you don't feel comfortable doing that, then you know what you need to do is you need to take all your Bitcoin, you need to spread it across as many wallets as you possibly can online. There's some digital wallets, there's some different stuff like that. Cold storage is the OG Bitcoiners way to protect your Bitcoin and your money um, in in that form. But if if you can't do that, just diversify, diversify, diversify. Open as many wallets as you can. Have a cash app. Have a Bitcoin. Have a have a Gemini. Have a Coinbase. Have a Hexa wallet. Have all these different wallets, just so it's at least spread out. And if anyone, you know, goes to shit, at
1: least you only lost a little bit of it. So we normally end podcasts with uh, read books, but typically this one I want to talk about buying Bitcoin. So I'm gonna probably you mind if I ask you a couple questions, and I want to hear your just organic answer uh real quick december 31st january 1st 2021 hits what is the price of bitcoin what's your what's your
0: what do you think the price 21st january january 1st
1: 2021 which is what two Two months months away Mm
0: -hmm. uh i think it's somewhere between 15 and 20 is that fair can i give a range
1: yeah i think a range is good yeah
0: it'll be be worth more than
1: today i I can confidently say that yeah (laughs) All right, and then I've heard a lot of Bit- Bitcoin enthusiasts, Pompliano, Pompliano being one of them. How do say his name wrong? It's just Italian. Pompliano. Pompliano. Okay, I'm just, okay. I got to get that. Yeah. Uh, he, he said something recently <laughs> that I was trying to figure out how we got to that assessment, and I thought maybe you would have a better maybe you understood it or maybe you have a better valuation because I, I have a hard time thinking where Bitcoin is going to be in a year or a year and a half. And he said over the next year, it's going to be the best performing asset in its class. And it currently is right now today. Uh, but then he said in year 2022, he feels like there's going to be a major pullback. Why do you think he would say something like that?
0: So, I I heard something similar to that and I've actually been thinking about that a lot and I actually don't think that's the case. Now I'm going to give you why it could be. And I'm going to give you why I don't think it will be. I think number one is it can be because people are going to, you're going to see this run up. And so there's this plan B on Twitter. He's got the stock to flow model. It it, basically the scarcity of Bitcoin has increased so much that people are going to be holding on to it. So what you're going to have is you're going to have an explosion exponentially in price. And then people are going to want to capture that value, you know, off into something a little more stable, like the USD. They want to be able to spend it. They want to be able to buy stuff. So that's one reason that, you know, you're going to have this incredible run up. You're going to have, let's say it goes, you know, it goes to $250,000 from now and in, in, in 16 months. Well, people, people are human beings. They're greedy. They're going to want to sell. Um, and they're going to want to cap. They're just going to be like, no, I'm selling this. I made all this money. Um, and then, Um, it's going to naturally bring the price back down. So you're going to have this massive run-up. A lot of, I I firmly believe, a lot of different hedge funds and traders will come into the space even more so. They'll be trading on leverage. They'll be making an insane amount of money. And then when the unwind starts to come, when people are like, all right, we need to find a balance, you're going to have all these leveraged traders. And what has to happen when you have all that leverage is you have to have a pricing crash and people are going to get blown up and they're going to get wiped out. The thing with Bitcoin is, if you lose your Bitcoin or if you fail, like you don't get a bailout. Um, Now the government might step in and give you some fiat for these bad hedge fund trades or anything like that. I think that's something that's really going to have to happen because for this thing to move as much as it it did in the past, like $17,000 was like 300 billion. When we're talking $200,000, we're talking trillions, you know? So that's a trillion dollar market cap. Now I'm going to go on the other side. Yeah, I want to hear this.
1: All I heard there was, yeah, someone takes your Reese's, but we'll give you a Tootsie Roll. Like, oh, thanks for the (laughs) the shittier version of the thing I really wanted. Like, you didn't supplement what I lost. You just gave me a a poorer form of something I was going to trade out anyways. But anyways, go ahead. (laughs) Exactly.
0: So the reason I don't think this will happen is because it will no longer be a tradable good. It will still be very tradable. But what people won't do, like, do you think MicroStrategy is going to sell their – 500 and at that time it's going to be worth you know five billion dollars in bitcoin they're not selling that thing
1: you might get so, lucky though there's going to be companies that have fire sales because they just can't I don't, it's it's not it's going to be a unicorn of an example but there might be a company like we just can't have open business operations we got to relinquish all of our bitcoin and i don't think that's going to happen anytime soon but that could happen
0: yeah no absolutely what i think is going to happen though, is people are just going to hold it it's going to go up a bunch and they're just going to be like well, yeah, this is the whole point and we're not, we're never selling. And you could have what's called escape velocity and where this thing just turns and it runs on its head and everybody's just trying to grab Bitcoin and nobody will sell. There'll be some opportunities. So you'll have some, you'll have some volatility, but it very well could be that you start moving these big players and it's a reserve asset. They don't sell reserve assets.
1: I don't like the, I don't like the word never selling because I think we all have a number in our mind and you say you, like say Bitcoin in three years gets to 450,000. Yeah. i have to assume you'd probably sell at that number, right?
0: 450,000, if it got to that, this is where you are correct. I will need to trade it for other goods. Like I'm gonna yeah. need to buy potentially sell it into fiat because if it hits $450,000, I'm gonna go buy a house, mm-hmm. a real big one that
1: you come hang out with me at. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. I don't say like sell it for money. I mean like you're, you're exchanging yeah. know something you of value. So like- but It would require me to sell that and then go buy it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, To something that is just equally a a better store of value. You can. Yeah. So I I have a, I think what I think is an incredibly important question because it gets asked all the time, or this is where your fanatics online live. um, Just like a stock, you know, do you believe that Bitcoin has already hit its like, what's the lowest number it would ever get back to? And do you believe it's already surpassed that number? Like you know how people look at a stock and like they'll look at Bitcoin and be like, I'm gonna get it again at seven thousand. Do you think it would reach seven thousand again?
0: There's some people that say it will, but the resilience that you've seen in these recent sell-offs where it basically put its foot in the ground at ten thousand. Um probably but is that the number ago. that
1: you think you would tell people it's like, I don't think it's going below ten anymore.
0: Yeah, somebody's like, I'll get back in at ten. I was like, I don't I don't think it's going back there. It, it's there's a battle going on right now between thirteen and thirteen eight fifty. There's this mm-hmm. weird you know, there's this technical analysis that has 13.850 as is a pretty key support level. Once it breaks through 14, there's not a lot of coins up for sale on the markets that you can see that have their limit sale orders in. Um mm-hmm. This thing could, could blow through 15 pretty quickly.
1: Um, so, so you what, think it's never going below five digits. It's going to always be a minimum five, get to six. Do you think it'll get to six quicker than four?
0: I, I think you just said it well never is a strong word i think it's highly improbable i'm calling it like 5% chance that it drops below 10,000 again so if you see it the problem is is it's such ingrained in the bitcoin uh, mantra where people are becoming more and more you have raul paul who used to work for goldman sachs he yeah. was a vp there and he's like i'm irresponsibly long bitcoin bitcoin is the only trade i think about anymore i do i do i do other stuff absolutely but i can't get over bitcoin and so you have these people with a large cash position and guess what every time that thing starts to get hit people are just gobbling up and the more people that more people that are selling from weaker hands to stronger hands the stronger Bitcoin gets because all these strong hands have all the Bitcoin and they're like, no, I'm not selling. Like Anthony Pompiano, who we keep mentioning. He's like, somebody asked him, what number are you going to sell Bitcoin? at. He's like, never.
1: I'm never Never. selling Bitcoin. He'll get to a point where he's old enough where he's like, you know what? I'm just going to sell off and live in Hawaii for the rest of my days or whatever he believes is paradise. I mean, I've done the the same thing. You've shifted my my mindset. I mean, I, I made about $500 the other day just playing around and uh, when I got that money, it was, it was like 600 bucks. When I got that money, I was going to take 500 of it. And I was thinking about putting it in this software index. Cause I just believe software is the future. And because of you, I put it all into Bitcoin and I, and I agreed with you. It wasn't that you weren't right. And I was going to do it. It was more like, yeah, this is more important today. And I'll get a better return. That software index is affordable right now, but I, I could buy two to three of those shares on a weekly basis for, for the foreseeable future Bitcoin. I don't know if it's going to get below. 11.5 is really the number I was thinking. I know there was resistance at 10, but I just think it's just the way it's going. I mean, it'll get below 13. I have a hard time thinking 12, but I say 11.5 is just a buffer. But I don't know if that's it. <laughs> just a hedge your wager, you know. A little bit, so I buy the insurance, but uh, I do have another question for you. I know I'm just spitballing right here. I don't know I if you've been enjoying this, but they're, they're, they're real questions I get asked and think about, think about all the time. What do you think, We talked about MicroStrategy quite a bit in this podcast. Who do you think is going to be the next publicly traded company to absorb that type of Bitcoin from the cash on hand and transfer it into Bitcoin and start creating that type of reserve in their company? It's got to be a publicly traded company, similar to MicroStrategy Square.
0: I'm going to go off of the normal topic. So everyone wants to hear like a fang company, like Apple, like they have a massive uh, cash position. could be something like that. Um, But I'm actually going to go, it's going to be one of these, believe it or not, one of these oil companies. It's going to be a Chevron. It's going to be uh, a Shell. It's going to be something like that. In my opinion, this is why I'm speculating because the transportation of energy is so inefficient. Like if you think what it takes to get that barrel of oil to an actual productive like use in a vehicle is incredibly you know inexpensive and efficient, and they can't really make money that way at sixty dollars a barrel. But when they're producing this oil, and it gives off these fumes, these natural gases byproducts, you're able to capture those and use those in as very very cheap energy. And I've, I know this because I've, I've listened to a couple of these podcasts. Very cheap energy that can be converted and used in Bitcoin mining rigs. That that energy would be wasted; it's lost. So with Bitcoin, you literally mine it, and you don't have freight. Like freight is the most incredible, incredibly yeah. expensive thing in our economy. That's like insane. It, it, we have to freight things everywhere, um, and to have something like that where you can basically mine it, so you can produce a Bitcoin and you can sell it around the world for what, pennies on the dollar? That's what I actually think.
1: Yeah, I, that's a good example. I didn't think about it that way. I'm I am always hope open. I tricked you. I hope I threw you for a loop there. N- no, I just don't think about oil companies that way. Yeah. So I'm always interested in the hearing the train of thought. I, I'm going to go in probably a route that I think is a little more parallel, and I think it's going to be J.P. Morgan. Yeah. In my personal opinion, I think J.P. Morgan will do it because something woke up in – Something hit him, Uh, Jamie Dimon, who's the CEO, and he started to talk about it. You can tell he started to understand uh, its value. And when I look at banks, banks want to continue to beat banks. And this is how they pivot, in my opinion. I could be completely wrong, but this is how a bank stays being the bank. And if they start to accept Bitcoin and use it as a reserve and store of value in a reserve currency, um, they'll continue to stay being that bank for more than just fiat currency. So in my opinion, it would probably be Chase Bank, JP Morgan Chase Bank, just because it's probably the biggest in the world has the ability to do it. And their CEO started to publicly talk about it. And that's those are typical, um, just red flags. I don't know if a red flag. The typical flags that you see towards someone going down a path of starting to consume it.
0: And we'll call them indicators. They're typical indicators or something like that. You, you hit it. JP Morgan, uh, we can bang on banks all we want, um, mm-hmm. but f- honestly, they've been fairly clean. They've stood out of like the Wells Fargo issues. And then if you look at their product, I've been a Chase Banker. I think you're a Chase Banker mm-hmm. been for a very long time. And all they've done is enhance their digital product so well to make the user you know, experience that much better. If you look at they have all these new features that are in the, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I didn't even know this was here. Um, and they have great credit card products, especially for millennials and all the travel rewards. I mean, they continue to evolve their suite of products to hit the market. And Jamie Dimon, you actually said it, you know, he used to, he's made fun of Bitcoin's dead, Bitcoin's dead, Bitcoin's dead. And I think this, the, the telltale sign of someone who's very smart and very with it is willing to change their mind. They're willing to stop and say, Hey, what information have I missed? Um, let me take an effect. Like, what did I miss? I'm, I, I clearly got something wrong. So I better reevaluate and then look at my, look at myself in the mirror and say, Hey buddy, you he might've got this one wrong.
1: Let me ask you one more question. This is, uh, you're probably not going to like this question because you're not prepared for it. Um well, it was a question I heard recently from a CEO that I interviewed with and I was fascinated by it. So why would you not choose Bitcoin or why, what would you, tell people, to, why would you tell people not to choose Bitcoin? I know we're talking about, we're pro-Bitcoin on this, I get that, but yeah. what's the reason that people would not want to absorb it or buy it or consume it? Maybe not you specifically, but people in general.
0: Yeah, same kind of thought process. What uh, We just talked about Jamie Diamond changing your mind. Well, being able to argue the other side, I, I, let me just tell you this. It's, it's, it's kind of complicated without these on-ramps. I mean, I, to, to be honest, I don't know how I would have bought Bitcoin four years ago. I think I just saw something the last election. It was $763. It's at $13,000 now. It's like, I don't even know if I would have been able to buy it. Like, I don't know how to use a Binance or a Bittrex account. Uh, I think just Coinbase was the only user-friendly. Um, to be able to buy this, to be able to store it, uh, it's it's fairly complicated. Um, and I think it gives a lot. I'll be honest. I was, I'm sitting here right now. I've got a bunch of Bitcoin stored on different Sites and different companies, but I I have a little bit that I I hold myself, and I'm like, geez, I mean, to get this off there, I mean, I don't know if you've ever moved something onto cold storage. It is nerve wracking. Okay, it is. You were like, I got the capital X, I got the lowercase Y, I got the three, I got the U, and this thing is you know twenty characters long, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna send five dollars. I did it. All right. I'm going to spend five more dollars.
1: I've never done that on a, on a cold storage. I admittedly haven't used cold storage yet. I know I'm going too soon. Um, I've admittedly done it on like a Binance exchange when I was buying Tron. And then I bought some Bitcoin and I converted it. And then I sent it to like a Coinbase account. and didn't show up for like, like, it was like seven to 10 days. It was a long time. And I kept going on every day to my Binance account. It showed that it sent but it wasn't populating in my actual Coinbase account. And when it did, it was like, I want to say it was like 10, 11 days later. I don't know why, because uh, it was a long time ago, obviously. But um, it, yeah, it was completely nerve wracking for like seven to 10 days. I, I had just like money that was it was gone. And it, you know, when I buy Bitcoin, I don't think of it as being gone. I think of it as a savings account of somewhere for a store of value. So uh, that question gets asked me all the time. Like, why would I choose? Like, what would make you or make people not want to do it? And I've always come down to one answer and just, it's purely just convenience. And you kind of said that it's like, it's just not really convenient. It's not easy. It's not like the steps to buy it is already difficult and then understand it and then know what you're doing all in the process. Like you kind of have to YouTube that at first, if, if you're going just cold turkey and it's, it's not easy to understand it for, I mean, like us, we talk about it and we're pretty formidable on it but well, we have three to four years of this in our belt. Like people who want to start today and we hope people start today. Like there's it, it, going to be a huge learning curve that you'll have to try to understand. And that growth learning curve is, it's, it's going to get harder, but uh, I just think it's not very convenient and convenient. Convenience is what is like the circulation in which, we work off of in America. I mean, we're like the TikTok generation, like, like as fast as you can. How much information? How quickly can I get hit with that dopamine shot? Like that's kind of what convenience is, and it's just not that
0: yet. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, moving your coins onto a cold storage isn't that easy. It's a little bit of a sweat, but that's the the value, and that's the reason why it's so important. Is like I think the harder things are, usually the more valuable they are, just in general. Like working out every day isn't easy, but it pays a lot of dividends in the long run. You know, cooking dinner every night pays a lot of dividends in the long run. Um, those are harder things to do um, just in general. And like, if you want to have the true uh, freedom and um, what I would yeah, I'm just going to go back to, you want to have the freedom from the current financial system and the fiat monster that there is, um, this is what it takes to really be, you know, own your own keys, have your own money, control your own destiny. That's, that's kind of what it requires. Um, then there's one more thing too. If the network ever got hacked in terms of like you were ever, ever able to rewrite the ledger, obviously then Bitcoin doesn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I don't think that, that it, they've done this the this, this, this statistics where it's like you have to go like light years away. It, it'd be light years to be able to rewrite the network. But if something ever like that happened where you couldn't, continually, the nodes are what makes Bitcoin, Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, The mining is nice and the difficulty adjustments are super fancy, like really important parts, but the nodes and the digital ledger and everybody can see everything that's happened.
1: That's what makes Bitcoin, Bitcoin. We said a lot here. I think we're we're starting to drag on a little. Uh, Is there anything you wanna leave our audience with? Um, One thing I would say is I've made it my mission each month to get two people to buy Bitcoin. I got two people last month to buy it. I'm focusing on two this month. Two is a hard number. One's pretty difficult, but I think if you can get that, you're just, you're expanding your network effect. What's something you can leave people with?
0: Yeah. I want to leave. If you don't buy Bitcoin, if you don't own any, is what I should say. Here's, and you're considering it. Here's all I want you to do. You you need to do the math and figure out what you can spare a, a paycheck. And that's what needs to go in there. Like if you can spare, if you have a $500 um, a month, uh, you know, savings ability. Um, you need to take a number less than that and put that into Bitcoin. It needs to be 50 bucks. Talk to somebody this weekend, volleyball player, newer through some mutual friends. She's like, oh, I own Bitcoin. I was like, really? She's like, yeah, I put 25 bucks a month in there or 25 bucks a paycheck just goes right in there. I'm like, that's all you need to do. You just need to take 25, 50 bucks a paycheck, stick it in there. This is not money you need this week, next month in a year. This is money that you are saving away so you can protect some of that value that you created through your work and effort. And that's what it's there for. So take $25, $50 um, and put it into Bitcoin per paycheck. Nothing crazy, nice and safe. Understand it's going to go up, going to go down, never go all in. You always got to have some, this is going to be a great next book. You never want to go all in. uh, It's going to be something about a, a monetary podcast. So
1: I dig it. That's a good closing statement. I think we should close with our typical mantra of I'll let you say it. Go read some books. There's a lot of content out there. Go out and go look
0: for it. Bitcoin standards, easiest one. It's a little higher, higher brow, higher level, but it's, it's a really good book and fascinating just about the history of money.
1: Nice. So luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. So go buy Bitcoin.